Well, welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you're here um, this morning. And are, are you a bit chilly here? You know, I kind of am. Uh, could you turn up the, uh, uh, off the AC? Because there's a delicate balance that I have to have here. If it's too cold, it's like, okay, you're not paying attention. But if it's too hot, it puts you to sleep. And so what they say is cold is a pastor's best friend, because at least you'll be awake. So I I was sitting in the front row and said, man, it's kind of chilly here, and we need to do something about that. But, um, you know, welcome for those of you who are here for the first time. My name's Dave, and I'm the uh, senior pastor here. And we've been going through our series on spiritual transformation because this is really our goal, that our goal is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, which is a process. You know, we have our good days and we have our bad days. But ultimately, so what? So people could see that and said, you know what? What happened? You know, how are you able to, you know, experience joy in the midst of all of these things that are happening to, ending to you? And so part of it is to be our witness to the outside world. And we've been talking about that. Last week, we talked about being in a hurry. And being in a hurry is probably one of the greatest obstacles to you growing in your faith. You know, how, how well did you guys do with that, slowing down last week? It was hard? Yeah, it was hard. We, you know, we, you know, I encourage you to practice slowing down, not driving in the fast lane. And when you get behind you, at stop site, don't look to park, get behind a Porsche, get behind a truck, you know, to slow you down, right? And for me, I was doing that and I was going really well. I'd go to the gas station. Oh, there's no line here. Praise the Lord. You know, I'd go to um, Jim's, which is in Rosemead. Uh, no one in the drive-thru. I'd turn around. No one in line. Hey, this is really good. Praise the Lord. And then smart and final happened. You know, I was in line. And I said, okay, what are we supposed to do? Well, pick the longest line. That'll help us slow down. So I had less than 10 um, Grocery. So I picked a line that says 10 items or less. And it was a long line, you know, but then I looked at the, uh, there was only two cashiers and I looked at the other ca- uh, lane and this lady had a ton of stuff. So even then I felt pretty good about myself that I picked the right lane, even though I was trying to practice slowing down. But I picked the wrong lane. And there's another person who came in back. And then right then, my first instinct, I said, okay, this is a race. I was here before you. You just got in this line. Let's see who's going to go first, right? But then I kept remember, slow down, Dave. The, the purpose is not a race. It's to teach you to slow down, right? And so we were doing that. And so next thing, you know, that checker started checking faster, and mine was slower. And I kept, Dave, it's not a race. We're practicing slowing down. And, and then... This person who got in after me actually checked out before me. And then you could just feel it coming up here. Dave, we're supposed to practice slowing down. You know, don't worry about it. And then I'm still standing in line. And what almost put me over the edge is that this one person, start, after they paid the grocery, started talking to the checker. And I go, what are you doing? You know, there's a line here. So he was talking to, it, it must, it felt like five minutes. It's probably only a couple minutes, but right there it was up here. I said, what are you doing talking to this guy? Can't you see there's a line? Right? And so once again, it was like, slow down, Dave, slow down. And, but then once again, it just reinforced how addicted I am to hurry. 
and then how I have been transformed by the culture of our society because we're always in a rush. And a lot of times we don't even know it. But more dangerously is that hurry is probably the biggest um, enemy or obstacle to spiritual growth. And so one of the things I was sharing last week is if you don't see a whole lot of transformation in your life, you might want to take a look at that part. Are you in a hurry? Are you multitasking to the point where you're starting to forget things? And I had a crazy week this week, but one of the things at least I was able to do was say, okay, one thing, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go to the next, and then I'm going to go to the next. But to be honest with you, this is probably the hardest practice for me is slowing down because I'm always um, in a rush. And today, we're going to, this one is very, very close. They're, they're kind of related. And today, we're going to talk about what it takes to listen to God because God wants to speak to us, right? But we can't, God can't speak to us if we're traveling at Mach 5. And so, there are several obstacles that prevent people from listening to God, and I want you to see if you can I identify with any of these. Number one is you don't expect God to speak to you. Right? You say, okay, I read the Bible, I pray, I let God know what I want in my prayer request, but I really don't expect him to speak to me. Right? Or your usual method of operation is to consult others for guidance. When you have a problem, when you don't know what to do, what do you do? Do you go to God first? Or maybe it's like, no, I'll go to my you know, family members, I'll go to my friends and ask for their advice, right? Or this is a big one for me. God might tell you to do something you don't want to do. I can't tell you how many times where I'm just sensing what God wants me to do and telling me what to do. I'm just like, oh, God, come on, anything but that, right? And the or says, God doesn't seem to want what I want for myself, have you ever experienced that, where you just feel that whatever God wants for you, it's probably not what I want, you know, even though what God wants for you is perfect, right? And then, or oh, this one, is I'm too busy and I can't wait for God's response. Have you ever been in a situation like that, where all of a sudden you're in this situation and you know that you're supposed to pray, you want God's guidance, but it's like, Okay, God, I'm sorry, I just can't wait. I've got to take care of this myself. And so some of these are obstacles for us hearing God, because God does want to speak to us. So, you know, when you take a look at that, how many of those are obstacles in your life? Because we know that God speaks to us through his word, which is probably the clearest way he speaks to us. God speaks to us through events, when he opens and closes doors, right? And we have to be looking for those things, too. God speaks to us through people. God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. You know, when you're doing something and all of a sudden you just sense the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something right then and there. And then God speaks to us directly through prayer. And this is what we call listening prayer. And basically listening prayer is just taking time out of your schedule to sit quietly before God and say, okay, God, if you want to speak to me, I'm here and I'm listening. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, could you turn to John chapter 2? John chapter 2. And these are the verses that you see on the card that we have passed out that I'll explain later. And this is what John writes. But the one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And so the first point is that listening to God requires 
that we know his voice. And this is crucial. Listening to God requires that we know his voice. And it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And this is amazing if you've ever seen this on a video. Basically what they used to do is each shepherd would have his flock and during the day they would just go out separately and the flocks would graze. But when they would in the evening what they would do is they would come back and there would be a shared or a public sheep pen where all the shepherds would bring their flocks in and they would all be in this sheep pen. Right? And so that's where they would spend the night because it was protected, right? And you could have more people watching the sheep. But in the morning, what happened, you know, because the sheep don't just hang out with each other, right? Oh, yeah, you're part of my flock. I'm going to stay with you. No, they're, they're going all over the place, right? But in the morning, they all have to go out. And so what the shepherd does is he calls his sheep. And it's amazing if you've ever seen this. His sheep. They just, wherever they are, they pick up and they start following him. Why? Because they know his voice. And it says the shepherd is leading and he leads them out. And so this is what Jesus is saying. We are like the sheep in that sheep pen. And it's crucial that we are able to listen to God's voice and know God's voice. And we knew this. The clearest way we know God's voice is to study scripture. This is why studying the Bible is so important. Because how many times have you made a mistake and you just say, you know what? God, I'm a failure. God doesn't love me. You know, I'm a loser, right? You'll never find that in the Bible. I guarantee if you're hearing those negative thoughts in your head when you make a mistake and you say, God is really, really angry at me, right? God can't forgive me. That's not coming from God, right? That's coming from you. That's coming from you. Because Scripture says that what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us that God forgives us. Scripture, scripture tells us that we experience God's grace and mercy when we make mistakes, right? Not judgment. This is why it's so crucial that we know the Scriptures, because that allows us to understand God's voice. And so when we get these thoughts, we could compare that. Go, okay, is this coming from God or is this coming from me? You know, like next week, we're having church in the park, right? And we're having a taco man, which I, I'm, I'm just so excited about that, right? Because I love those taco guys, right? But what happens if I'm out and then, you know, somebody goes and you're waiting in line and they come up to you and said, you know what, Pastor Dave's busy right now, but he asked if you could take his order. You know, he'll have like three carne asada tacos, rice, beans, you know, onions, and oh, by the way, can you get, give him a double portion of cilantro? Right then and there, well, some of you know that, okay, that's not my voice. That's not coming from me, right? Because you know that I can't stand cilantro. Cilantro is one of those herbs where when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, why did you create cilantro? You know, now my wife 
You know, she grew up in East L.A. She loves cilantro. You know, I just, for the life of me, can't, it tastes like soap, you know, and um, I just can't handle it. And trust me, I know what soap tastes like because when I was a kid and I'd said something wrong, my mom would cut a piece of dial soap and put it in my mouth, you know, and ask me to gargle it. When, so when they said, wash your mouth out with soap, she took that literally. So I do know what soap tastes like, and it tastes like cilantro. And, um, <laughs> but if somebody told you that, you would know, okay, that's not Dave. Right? That's not Dave. And so this is the same thing that Jesus was trying to say here. But also, he says in verse number uh, 4, And he gathered his own flock, and he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And the thing is, is that the sheep was following the shepherd because the shepherd leads them. Do you know that God wants to lead you? Do you know that God has a plan for your life? I don't care who you are, whether you believe in him or not, God has a plan for you. And we know that when he says in Jeremiah 29.10, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now I get that this was a promise to the nation of Israel regarding the promise of after 70 years, they were going to come out of their captivity in Babylon, and then we have this passage here. So I understand that. But if you take a look at the theme of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, God has a plan. So even though this passage was for the nation of Israel, I believe that God, the, the theme of this you know, applies to us, that God has a plan for you. And see, this is why it's important that we listen to God, to be able to know God's voice, because he wants to lead us, right? Psalm 23. And God wants you to lead each one of us to a plan that is perfect for you. The plan he has for me might not be the right one for you. Right? Or it could be the opposite. And see, this is why we can't compare ourselves with others. You know, parents, this is why we can't compare one child to another because each child has different gifts, and I guarantee you God has a different plan for each one of them. Right? So each one of us needs to know God's voice so he can lead us to the place where he wants to go. Right? And so... The next point is listening to God is important because we can't assume he will always act in the same way twice. And this is another one, right, where we heard God's voice. Or let's say we're in a situation and we see how God works, and then we're going to say, you know what? Okay, I get it. I don't need to ask God. I don't need to listen from God. God, I saw how you worked this past time. Okay, I got it. I'm ready this time. But turn in your Bibles to me with to Second Samuel 5.17. 2 Samuel, starting um, with chapter 5, starting with verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come up and spread out in the valley of Rephraim. Rephraim. So David inquired to the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, Go, 
for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. Now, basically, what David did is he knew the Philistines were coming up full force against him. So he inquired to the Lord, God, what should I do? Should I go to attack them? And if I attack them, will you give us victory? So what did God say? Attack them. And so David goes, and the picture is here, is like David was like a raging flood that destroyed everything before him that a flood does. And so he engaged in this frontal attack, and he pretty much wiped out the Philistines, right? And the Philistine abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. They were soundly defeated. However, once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephraim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them, in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching on top of the poplar trees, move quickly, because this will mean the Lord has gone in front of you and will strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. And and so once again, you know, the the Philistines come up, and David acquires the, the Lord. He asked the Lord, what should I do? Should we attack him? And God said, yes, but this time instead of attacking from the front, I want you to go around them and attack from the rear. It was different, right? Had David not acquired to Lord and asked, what should I do? Because David was a military leader, right? He was a good strategist, right? If he attacked from the front, there's a good chance he would have lost the battle. But he inquired from the Lord, and the Lord what? Gave him a different strategy this time, right? It wasn't the same. First time attack from the front, second time attack from the rear. In both times, what? David was able to defeat the Philistines due to the power of the Lord. And we see this over and over and over again, that we can't rely on God doing the same thing in every situation. Remember when Moses crossed the Red Sea, what happened? The winds blew and it just parted, and the Israelites were able to walk through. Well, then what? Joshua had his time when he was crossing the Jordan, and he was saying, okay, do you think he said, okay, guys, let's just wait here. Wind's going to come, God's going to part the red Jordan, and we're going to walk through. No, this time God said, hey, have your priests go, and when they step into the water, then the, it's going to um, part, or you'll be able to walk on dry land. But this time, God didn't part the seas right in front of him. What we see is that God held back the water miles away upstream that prevented the waters from flowing down. So he stopped the water, and then the Israelites were able to cross. Once again, pretty much two similar situations. God did things twice. Uh, two times he did it differently. But we all see this with Jesus when you see three accounts of him healing the blind man. You know, in John 9, 6, it talks about Jesus um, healing a blind man. And what did he do? He spit on the ground, made some mud, and he put it on the blind person's eye, and he told them, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the person did that, and what? He regained his eyesight. 
You know, in Mark 10, 52, you know, remember blind man Bartimaeus? You know, Jesus healed the blindness instantaneously just by his word, just by his word, and he was healed from his blindness. And then we see in Mark 8, 23 through 25, you know, there's a blind person that came to Jesus, and this time instead of spitting on the ground, Jesus spits in his eyes. You know, that'd be kind of like, what? You know, so Jesus spits in his eyes. And then he puts his hand over the person's eyes. And Jesus says, can you see? And the guy's kind of like this. He goes, oh, wow, I could see something. But, you know, the, it's kind of fuzzy now, right? I, I can't see clearly. So what does Jesus do? He puts his hands on his eyes again. And Jesus says, now what do you see? And the person could see clearly. Right, Three different healings of a blind person and three different ways Jesus did that. And that's the way that God works with us. He does not want us to get comfortable thinking that we have God figured out. That we can control God because we know what he's going to do. And this is why it's so important to listen to God. He doesn't do the same thing twice. Just because he does one thing one way doesn't mean that we could sit back and say, okay, I got it. I don't need you to ask God because he's going to do the same thing. No, this requires us to continually go in faith, to trust God, to see how he's going to work in our lives. Or even when we say, okay, God worked this way in this person's life. Well, I'm in the same situation. He'll do the same thing for me. Not necessarily. Because God doesn't do the same things twice to show us that we need to trust him. Next point, we need to slow down in order to listen to God, okay? And if you take a look at Elijah, Elijah was this prophet who went against King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, right? And they had these priests of Baal, and what they have this showdown where, you know, Elijah said, okay, you Baal priests, you think your God is the right one? Okay, let's put up two altars. And uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to cut up some meat and we're going to put it on both. And so they did that. And he said, whoever's, uh, uh, which I'm going to sacrifice, altar is consumed by fire, then that, that's a God. Okay? And so here the uh, prophets of Baal are praying to Baal, which we know that he's not God, and nothing was happening. And then, you know, Elijah starts taunting them, you know, and so they start cutting themselves and doing all of these things, praying that Baal shows up, but he never does. Now it's Elijah's turn. Elijah gets it. He digs a trench around his um, um, altar sacrifice, and he drenches his sacrifice with water so that there's a pool of water, even in the trench, right? And then he prays to God, and what does God do? Fire from heaven, everything's gone. Everything's gone. And it shows that what? God was powerful. But then he went out and had all the uh, uh, prophets or false prophets of Baal killed, right? And this really upset Jezebel. So she's out to kill um, Elijah, right? And so Elijah's running from her. And then um, God strengthens him, and he goes on a 40-day, 40-night journey to Mount Oreb. Right, and this is where the situation is. Mount Oreb, Mount Sinai, the same mountain. And the Lord said, um, "Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord." 
for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the great and pow- then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Through the Oreb experience, Elijah learned an important lesson that the spectacular and dramatic have their place in God's order of things. And we've seen that. If you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, yes, we do see the spectacular, right? But most often, however, the divine program is carried through forward through that still, small voice that speaks to the heart of people. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. So what does he say? Be still and know that I'm God. Because when we are still, that's when we could hear that still small voice. You know, for those of you who are runners, you, know, you understand that conversation pace, right? And what is a conversation pace? Well, conversation pace is that you are running at a pace where you could carry on a conversation with somebody. So it's like you're running, jogging, and you're not exerting enough energy. You're exerting energy, but you're not exerting enough where you can't talk to that person, right? But the more you wrap up your energy, then it's like you're running at... It's hard to have a conversation with that person, right? And if you're on a full sprint, I mean, there's no way Usain Bolt is having a conversation with somebody with them as he's bombing down that racetrack. It's impossible when you're having going at, at that speed to have a conversation with somebody. And that's what we're talking about here. For those of us who are struggling with last week's lessons of slowing down like me, We can't hear God's still small voice when we're in a hurry, right? It just can't be done. And this is why last week and this week are so important because they kind of go together. You can't hear God's voice when you're multitasking six different things, right? And your attention's all on these um, balls that you're juggling, right? And so you're saying, oh, i got to do this, 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 and you're trying to keep them in the air without falling, and what's your concentration? Your concentration or your focus is on those things because I've got to do so many things. And when your focus is on that, you can't hear God's still small voice, right? And this is why multitasking. Well, there are some times we have to do that, but if you are living a lifestyle of multitasking, you will not be able to hear God's voice. Finally, listening Uh, Learning to listen to God is a process. It doesn't come natural. Because I think all of us um, last week um, learned that, especially living in our culture, slowing down does not come naturally. Being still to listen to God does not come naturally to us, right? So it's a process. And we see that in, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 3. When Samuel was a a baby, he was dedicated um, by his parents to God, right? So we see Samuel as a boy in the house of the Lord with Eli the priest. And then God calls Samuel. But Samuel never heard God's voice, right? 
But it was this still small voice. It wasn't, Samuel! No, it was this Samuel, right? And so he gets up, thinking it's Eli. He goes, hey, Eli, I'm here. What did you want? And Eli goes, nah, what are you talking about? It's the middle of the night. You just heard something. Go back to sleep. So he goes back to sleep. And all of a sudden, the Lord calls Samuel. He goes, Samuel gets up. Okay, Eli, am I here? He goes, come on, man. I want to get some sleep. That was nothing. Go back to sleep. He says, oh, he goes back to sleep. And so also God calls him again, Samuel. He gets up, Eli, I'm here. And I could see Eli getting frustrated. But at this time, Eli understood that, okay, this is the Lord calling Samuel. Right? And so he said, the next time you hear God calling you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Right? Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in all Israel, he had to learn to listen to God's voice. It was a process. And we see this over and over that it's a process in order to listen to God. And it's not something that just happens just right away. And there's stages of what we call prayer because prayer is a two-way conversation between us and God. And the stage one, as you first learn how to pray, it's talking at God. And what this is is this is the lovely childlike prayers that are filled with lists and thank yous. You know, straightforward ask and memorize graces and going to bread prayers. These are the things where, you know, we're just talking at God. God, could you thank you for this? Thank you for that. God, could you do this? Could you do that? Could you do this? And we go down our check of lists. Or it could be memorized, but God is good. God is great. Let, him th- let us thank him for this food, right? That's what I prayed every single meal before um, we ate, right? And this was a memorized prayer. You know, and, and Jesus gives us a template, too, when he's talking about the, the Lord's Prayer, He's not saying this is the way you should pray all the time, but we see in Luke that his disciples are saying, I don't even know how to pray. How do we pray? Because the way we used to pray, you know, isn't the way that Jesus, you want us to pray. Because the way they were praying was so everybody could see them, right? And Jesus says, no, that's not what it's all about. And so they didn't know how. So Jesus gave them a, a template. So that's stage number one, how you learn how to pray. Oftentimes we see a child praying like that. Then next stage two is instead of talking at God, talking to God. Where we find our own words and learn to monologue and intercede um, from our hearts about our desires and needs. Now it's not just going over a checklist. It's having a conversation with God. We're putting things in our own words. We're explaining to God these are our requests. But once again, there's still what? Our requests that we want God to cooperate with our life. Now, there's nothing wrong with you know, presenting our requests to God because we are told in Scripture that we are to do that, right? But once again, that's only one way. That'd be like me wanting to talk to my wife, Grace, and I call her up and say, oh, Grace, by the way, you know, this happened today, blah, 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 blah. Oh, can you do this? Can you pick this up? Oh, by the way, this bill needs to be paid. Can you pay this bill? Oh, by the way, I forgot to let the dog out, so please take the dog out so he could go to the bathroom. Thank you. Bye. Boom. And she's like, you know, hey, you didn't even let me talk to you about my day. You know, or what I wanted to talk to you about. But isn't that like our prayer life? 
we go, gracious Heavenly Father, then we list all the things we want, right? And as soon as we're done, it's like, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And God's like, you know, part of the two-way conversation, you know, I, I want to speak to you, right? And so the third uh, stage of prayer is listening to God. And that's understanding that prayer is a dialogue that requires listening to God's thoughts and, just, and not just my own. This is where we transition to say it's not just about me checking off my list, but it's, okay, God, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to speak to me? And see, once again, as you're reading your Bibles every day, you know, yes, I read to study it, to learn what it's saying, and I have my commentaries there to try to help me understand what's going on. But one of the things I pray is, God, how, what do you want me to learn? God, please speak to me as I'm reading Scripture. So it's not just Scripture just to me to learn stuff is God, what do you want to teach me through your word, right? And that's the way we should um, approach God. And once again, these are stages. And so some of you might be on stage one. That's okay. Some of you might be on stage two. Some of you might be on stage three. And there's a fourth stage, but I don't want to go over that because I didn't want to confuse, you know, everybody. But it kind of shows, you know, where you're at. So the question is, how do we learn to listen to God. And I just have these steps here that read the Bible daily to learn to learn to recognize God's voice. Okay? This is crucial. This is crucial. You need to know the shepherd's voice. And we know God's voice through Scripture. Spend time listening to God rather than talking with him, talking at him. Okay, spend time listening to God in silence. Right, slow down enough to hear God's gentle whisper. Once again, last week, practice. Don't let silence discourage you. God will speak to you in his own time. Just because you set out some time in silence and solitude to listen to God doesn't mean he's going to show up. And we shouldn't expect him to. We don't control God. We don't tell God when to show up. You know, God will show up when he wants to, and he will tell us what we need to know when we need to know it. I remember when my son Michael was young, right? We did this. I said, okay, Michael, um, we're going to have a time where we're going to listen to the Lord. And so it was in the evening, and, and so I had a candle, and then I lit the candle, and I turned off the light so, so there was no distractions, right? And so Michael and I, he, he must have been in preschool or kindergarten, so we're just sitting here listening for the Lord, right? And then... <laughs> About a minute later, right, he just kind of, you know, his eyes closed and he kind of goes like this and he goes, did God say anything? And I go, no, did God, God didn't say anything to me. Did he say anything to you? And he goes, no. And then he started listening again. Then a little, did God say anything? No. <laughs> you know, and then I had to explain to him that, okay, Michael, we do this because we just want to give this time to God. You know, it's up to God to determine whether he wants to talk to us. Now, of course, God did not speak to us that night. I was hoping that he would so I could give my son an example of what it means to hear God's voice, but it didn't happen. You know, but, you know, 
the last thing is, you know, keep practicing listening prayer. Don't give up. Just like I need to, this week I'm going to continue to get in the longest line. I'm going to continue to say, Dave, okay, you need to slow down. That God has put this truck in you, front of you for a reason to help you slow down. Don't let your blood pressure go up like this because I need to slow down. But some of us need to con- learn to listen to God because this is a totally different way than my guess is most of you pray. Most of you pray as we've got our list and we talk to God. But we don't spend time listening to God. And if God doesn't say anything, then it's like, well, this doesn't work. Okay, keep practicing. And so we have these cards here that if you take a look at them, we have the transform life. If you put this card first, that probably makes it easy for you. Then we have the 1202 challenge. And what's that? What time of the day are we supposed to pray? 12.02 a.m., right? No, 12.02 p.m. in the afternoon. Now, if one of you guys want to pray at 12.02 a.m., praise God. I mean, it, it just says 12.02. No, it does say p.m. Okay, but if you want to pray at a.m., you know, God honors that too. And so we have the transformed life, the unhurried life, and today we have the prayerful life. And so on the back, there are two practices that we'd like you to do. So um, pick one of those and, um, you know, try to practice them daily. But also, don't just... Forget about the other two. Because to be honest with you, I'm still going to have to do this unhurried life, and I'll probably have to do that for the next several years in order to God to get me to slow down, right? But this is why we have these um, here for you to practice that. There's this one song that says, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Because all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And this is why we need to listen to God. Let's pray. Worship team, please come forward. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a God that does not ignore us, that you're a God that wants to be a part of our lives, and Father, that you're a God that has a plan for each and every one of us. And Father, that plan is perfect. That plan is perfect, and that plan is good. There is no better life we could live than to live the plan, Father, that you have for us individually. Yet, Father, there are so many times when we're not listening, where we think we know what's best, or we assume that we know what you're going to do. So, Father, this week, may you allow us to sit before you and hear your voice. And so right now, why don't we just spend some time in silence? Don't ask anything from God. Don't think about what you want God to do. Just sit in silence asking, God, if there's something you want to tell me, I'm available.
you know, that was less than a minute, and some of us, it might have felt like a lifetime. And God may have said something to you, and if he did, I pray that you act upon it. But if he didn't, that's okay too. Because God will speak to you when he feels he needs to. He will reveal himself to you on his time and not our time. Our time is to create space for him, to have times of solitude and quiet time. For Jesus went away early in the morning to spend time with his Father. And Jesus was God. So how could we think that we don't need to do this if Jesus, who was God, went away during the morning so he could spend time and fellowship with his Father? And I pray that each one of us will have the discipline to do so. Don't make it legalistic, and if you forget, don't beat yourself up for it. Just say, okay, I'll try again. And keep doing it. Keep doing it until it becomes a habit. Father, I thank you once again for the way that you are a shepherd, that you lead us, that, Father, we could recognize your voice through what we've read in Scripture And so, Lord, for anyone here who's hearing these negative voices of failure, of them being a loser or you being angry at them or you not um, being willing to forgive them, Father, would you let us know those are not your words, that they most likely come from us. And so, Father, would you bless our time this week as we spend time in our attempts to listen to you, that still small voice. In your son's name we pray, amen.